All right, um, tonight, Christianity 101 continues. We've probably got one or two sessions left here, or well, at least two counting tonight. But um, our topic tonight is going to be the Lord's Supper. So, the Lord, the Lord Jesus gave us, say this two ways, really, He gave He gave because He did. He gave us these ordinances. Um, he also commanded them two two ordinances, um, which are what baptism and the Lord's Supper, and those are explicitly commanded in the New Testament. You know, um, so we. <laughs> Like the Roman Catholic Church, you know, they talk about seven uh, sacraments. Um, and by the way, uh, the, the, I'm using the term ordinances here. They're often referred to as sacraments. Um, and the, the term sacrament comes from the, the, the Latin word for mystery. So the Roman Catholics say there are seven sacraments, but, but um, for the most part, um, Protestants, and, and I think correct, correctly so, we have, have uh, just about all Protestants recognize two um, ordinances or sacraments, as some call them, um, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper. And as I said, they're, they're explicitly commanded. For example, um, you have the institution of the Lord's Supper, and, and, uh, and we'll look at some of these in a moment. But Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22... And then also in 1 Corinthians 11, where, where Paul describes uh, the institution of it, um, and Jesus plainly says, you know, do this in remembrance of me. And then you have the, the command to baptize, for example, in the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So that's, that's part of the process. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Another Son, another Holy Spirit. I heard of a. This is just side note. Just thought it was interesting. Heard heard of a church, and, and I don't know how widespread this is, but uh, where the, the guy was, the guy was actually dunking them three times. You know, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, interesting. Well, I don't think that's necessary because I, I think. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I hadn't heard of that before, and so, so kind of caught my attention. But um, but baptism is necessary. I mean, you know, we, we, we were commanded to do it so by the Lord. So um, there you have those explicit commands. As I said, we'll look at some of those in a minute concerning uh, the Lord's Supper. In fact, let's go and in, in, as far as the institution of the Lord's Supper, let's let's look at a couple of passages here, starting with Matthew 26. And this, of course, every time we we um, observe the Lord's Supper, I read. Um, probably every time I, I've read from Matthew 26 this account Matthew 26 26 in just a few few verses here we'll look at the other accounts as well here's Matthew 26 26 now as they were eating what were they what were they eating by the way yeah. Passover yeah so, so there, and that's that's interesting too. You know, there's been a lot of, obviously, a lot of discussion about that um, throughout church history. In fact, some some people today, uh, and I've of course pondered this, you know, many times. But some people today, in fact, say that's what we should be doing. Um, you know, because what they were doing was the Passover. So people interpret it this way. Some do say um, 
the Lord's Supper is the Passover meal. You know, we should be observing the Passover meal. But it looks like what's going on here is, is, a, is a shift. And so, in other words, the Lord's Supper was, uh, was instituted during the, 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 uh, the Passover meal. And so Jesus actually, as one writer notes, Jesus actually um, changes the liturgy, so to speak. You know, instead of in the midst of... And that must, that must have been a little bit um, shocking, I guess, for the, for the disciples because um, they're, they're used to doing the same thing year after year after year after year, saying the same things, singing the same things, going through the traditional liturgy. And uh, in the midst of that, Jesus says, <laughs> probably holding you know, the bread, uh, he, he says, this is my body and this is my blood. So here it is, Matthew 26. 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. All right, look at uh, Mark 14. We have Mark's account, or Peter's account, probably, to be more precise. Mark 14, 22. And again, just to few verses, few short verses. As they were eating, verse 22, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So slight variations there, but uh, uh, the same event. And Luke 22, Luke 22, 18. Mm, I'm going to start in verse 14. I said 18, but let's start in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat, for I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay. And then one more, 1 Corinthians 11. And this I also read when we uh, 
when we observe the Lord's Supper? Verse 23, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when and just an interesting note there, by the way, you know, you know we know um, from Galatians, for example, that the the revelation of the gospel, you know, the gospel seems was taught to um, Christ, uh, taught to uh, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, then, but Paul um, by Christ, and uh, and that's seems to be what he's what he's talking about here. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So. Um, just interesting, you know. You got like in in what we just read in Luke is a secondhand account because Luke's getting that from someone um, as as he writes it, and then of course Matthew and Mark is is believed to be Peter's account. So so those are firsthand accounts, um, and and then here, um, even though Paul wasn't there. Um, he's 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 getting this information directly from the Lord. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And there's um, reasoning behind it. We'll come back to that. <clears throat> in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right, so um, there are the accounts. As we said, during the, the um, Passover meal um, is when Jesus um, did this and, and gave these commands. So that, that's the institution of the Lord's Supper. It comes directly from the Lord, commanded by the Lord. Do this, and as uh, Paul records here, do this in remembrance of me. So there's a command. As, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, what about the meaning of the Lord's Supper? What, is, what does it mean? Well, for one thing, let me just go back to the, the context for a second. Um, what, what, is, what is Passover about? Why were they observing Passover mm-hmm. from, from death on the night that, uh, that all the firstborn were destroyed in, in Egypt, right? So, so it's, a, it's a remembrance of deliverance, right? And what did they have to do back then when, when, it, when the original Passover... Uh, what did they have to do to be delivered? Slay the lamb, put the blood over the doorpost. Why did they put the blood over the doorpost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord said He would pass over. Right when when, I, when He saw the blood, that that He would pass over that house. If if the you know if it had the blood on the doorpost. If not, then then the firstborn in that household would die. Every every household would be affected from the greatest to the least, except those that had the blood over the doorpost. So, so the children of Israel were instructed to kill the lamb, as, uh, as Pam mentioned, um, and, and then eat, and, and of course, you know, put the blood over the, the doorpost. So they, from then on and, and to this day, you know, Jews, practicing Jews, 
observe the Passover. And it, it's, um, I just looked at it the other day. It, it's always close to our Easter celebration. And I, was, I think this year, because I was just looking at this the other day, and I'm, I think it may be the same weekend. Well, I don't have that information here. But I, th- I think, seems like it's that same weekend, but I may be wrong. You Google that, okay? <laughs> Just interesting tidbit. But anyway, it's always close to, to our, our Easter uh, celebration, resurrection celebration. All right, so, they, so in, now let's jump back up to the first century, Jesus and the apostles. They're doing what Jews have done um, ever since that night when, when, um, when, Moses, um, when the Lord through Moses instituted the Passover. They are once again observing this, this dinner in remembrance of God's uh, deliverance, great deliverance, by bringing them out of uh, uh, that night, delivering their firstborn, and then ultimately bringing them out of Egypt and out of the bondage of Pharaoh. So it's during this meal, during this commemoration of the, the Passover, that um, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And, and He uses the, the elements... You know, from the meal, the bread and the wine, and and uh, which are which have symbolism, and 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 he says, you know, takes the bread. This is my body and the wine. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the for the forgiveness of sins. So um, it also represents deliverance, right? Christ's body broken for us. That is, he suffered. He suffered. Remember the first account we read there? He said uh, he, he had uh, wanted to partake of the Passover with the apostles before, before I suffer, he said. Well, why did he suffer? He suffered for our sins, for our redemption. So um, this also points to that. The body, the bread representing the bo- his body that was broken for us, his blood that was spilled for us. Um, so, in other words, Christ's death for our atonement. This time, the true Passover lamb is being sacrificed. It's not not a little cute, fuzzy little animal, but the eternal Son of God is is being slain for the sins of His people so that we are all preserved. So that, like like, uh, the Old Testament passage there, uh, and 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 like the old song says, so that when I when I see the blood, God would say, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, right? So Christ's death is applied to us, um, saving us from the wrath of God, saving us from death. So it is a, it, and I'll say it this way: it is a visible sign. Uh, concerning our redemption, in other words, it's something something that we can um, something that we can see, and and uh, God, you know, w- would often do that. For example, a lot of times when when the prophets would, would prophesy, there there would also be some kind of a, uh, put it in modern terminology, some kind of visual, right, to go along with it. Now, they would do things. Sometimes, like Hosea was commanded to take a wife, and, and, and uh, uh, il- that whole th- scenario illustrated, um, because she was an unfaithful wife, 
that whole scenario illustrated Israel's unfaithfulness to God. But, you know, that wasn't just spoken like a parable. It was literally lived out. So there was something visible that they could see, not only hear the, the prophecy, but see the... Um, uh, see it sort of dramatized as well. So, so this is a this is a dramatization, if you will, of uh, what God has done in our behalf. So it's a visible sign, and it's a sign also of uh, continuing fellowship with Christ. In fact, let's just go back uh, like a chapter here. If you're still in First Corinthians, <clears throat> go back to chapter ten. Read through some of this. Look at verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless. Now, here, here, is, here is Paul addressing um, the Corinthian people concerning immoral practices that they're engaging in, even idolatrous practices that it would seem uh, they are engaging in. Now, in, in order to make his point, he, he, part of his point, he uses the, uh, the Lord's Supper here. Look at verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Now, he's doing that rhetorically because the answer is yes. Yes, it is. I mean, that's, a, that's an, the anticipated answer. So, so, so he's using that as a rhetorical question to make his point. And then the same with the bread. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And the term that he's using there is the uh, koinonias, the term that's often translated fellowship. Um, so, in, in fact, that's why it's sometimes called communion. That, that word also is, is a kind of a synonym for fellowship. All right, so then the bread, and then in, in verse 17 he says, because, in other words, the bread that we break is, is it not a participation of the body of Christ? Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake, of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those... Now he's pulling from the, uh, the, uh, what we were just talking about a minute ago, that when they left Israel and the, the wilderness experience. He's pulling from there as well. Verse 18, Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? Again, uh, rhetorically, and so the answer is no. In other words, uh, um, food offered to an idol is is what? It's just food, right? I mean, it's not. There's nothing. And 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 what is an idol? Is an idol a real thing? No, it's just a representation of somebody's uh, imaginary god. Nevertheless, look at look at what he goes on to say, verse twenty. No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So, so what he's saying is, 
when these when these pagans are offering their sacrifices to their quote gods, in reality what they are doing is having fellowship with demons because there's there's no other god, there's only one god, but there are demonic forces at work deceiving people, right? And so whether they're aware of it or not, there's a, um, in, in the act of idolatry, there is a uh, fellowship with demons. It's kind of, a, kind of sobering thought, isn't it? And so he says, I do not want you, now talking to the church, I do not want you to be participants with demons. In other words, don't be participating in what the pagans are doing with their sacrifices and eating meat offered to idols, um, you know, in, like, like in, the, uh, in, in the act of, of their, their, their worship and so forth. Why? Because I don't want you participating with demons. Because that part of it's real. The, you know, the, 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 the meat itself is just meat. There is no other God, so there's not a false God to worry about. But there are demons that, that, are, that are against working against Christ and His kingdom, anti-Christ. So he says, I don't want you participating with demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord. Again, a reference to the, the Lord's Supper. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Now, the reason I read through all of that is because I just want you to see what Paul is saying when you do these things, like specifically, he's talking about the acts of idolatry. When you do these things, you're participating in something. You're having fellowship, communion, if you will, with demons when you're, when you're doing um, the idolatrous work. But, in contrast, and here's the good side, the good part, um, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, then that has significance as well, doesn't it? Now, on, on the right kind. Again, look at um, verse 16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? So there's a there's a there's a, a, a kind of fellowship that takes place when we do what the Lord has instructed us to do in His presence by partaking of the elements which represent His body and blood. And then uh, again to make that case, Paul says, uh, consider the people of Israel, verse 18. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? So, so he's saying there's something more going on there. There's something of spiritual significance going on there. Something more going on than just, than just drinking wine and eating bread. It has spiritual meaning, spiritual significance. Christ is present spiritually. He's not, he's not the bread, He's not the, the wine, or juice in our case. He's not the bread, He's not the juice. But we are in, in a special kind of, of fellowship with Him as we uh, act in, his, in obedience to what He's instructed us to do. So, um, it is a, a sign 
Uh, and, well, it is a, a here he describes it as a participation, but it's also a sign of continuing fellowship with Christ. So, so just like um, last week we talked about baptism, and baptism is something that Christians do initially, right? When you, you make a profession of faith and then you're in obedience to the Lord, you're baptized, and it, it is symbolic of your your new identification with Christ and your new identification with God's people. And so it is kind of a, a, a visible sign of entrance into the church. All right? So, so it represents um, that, you know, becoming a Christian, becoming a part of the church, even becoming a part of the local church. Well, the Lord's Supper is a, is a visible sign of continuing fellowship with Christ. And it does have great significance. It's it's uh, um, it's unfortunate that it gets downplayed a, a lot of times, and that and that people kind of have a, a take it or leave it um, attitude toward the Lord's Supper because we are commanded to do it, and and it is as Paul describes here um, does involve fellowship. All right. So now the observance of the Lord's Supper. And there's a couple of things I want to cover here. And then if y'all want to interact a little bit, we can do that. Um, let me go back to chapter 11 for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Again, this is a passage that I, you know, y'all well know. I read every time that we do it. Um, I want to talk just a minute about these, these next verses where, uh, beyond where I stopped earlier. Verse 27. Now let me start with 26 again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So, it's everything we just talked about. It's also a, a proclamation. It's a visible sign uh, of proclamation of, of Christ's death, His atoning work in our, in our behalf. And look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, or, um, then, and so let him eat of, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So, so here's, a, here's a strong warning. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30, That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So Paul says, for this very reason, because, um, because you've, you've violated this, some of you are weak, for this very reason, some of you are ill for this very reason. Some have died. Then he goes on, 31. But if we judged ourselves, truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. All right, so that's a strong, strong um, admonition and warning about partaking of the Lord's Supper, um, what is it that Paul is getting at there? And I want to give you a, a couple of, of, of views. 
want to read you one first because this is short, and this is the, definitely the most common. Um, as soon as I find the page here, let's see, two eight. Maybe I won't read it to you. Should have marked it better. Anyway, the most the most um, the most common view I have I have heard over the years concerning um, what Paul is talking about here is is that um, let's see how can I say this he, is that he's he's talking about talking about let me, let me say it this way essentially being pure. He's talking about, in other words, making sure that you're you're repentant when you come before the Lord's table, um, um, not having any um, unconfessed sin, not holding any grudges or, or something of that nature, um, and and that uh, again is certainly the most common view. I've I've heard it repeatedly over the years and and held it for a long long time. I'm not I'm not. Uh, totally throwing it out now. Uh, let me be clear on that too. But but I want but I do want to give you an alternative because I, I really think uh, you and you may remember this when we went through First Corinthians. But I really think what Paul is saying here is is different than that. Um, very good. Yeah, yeah. And he, of course, he, it definitely involves self-examination. But but the usually the way it's communicated is you know um, you know examine yourself, make sure. Before you eat and drink, make sure that you don't, you know, have any sin in your life, you know, any unconfessed sin, or don't. If you got any grudges against anybody, which all those things are good to do, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. We ought to be doing those things all the time. But um, in the context of First Corinthians, what, especially First Corinthians 11, what is going on here is people are not loving one another. That's what's going on. It, it's 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 not um, so individually focused as like what you know. Just examine yourself and and see if your your mind is clean, your heart's clean, or whatever. What what is happening here is you've got some wealthy people um, or people who have plenty um, overeating and getting drunk, while in the same congregation um, some. Other people who don't have means are actually going hungry, <clears throat> and that's what Paul is is uh, is talking to them about uh, when this comes up. And so I think it's very helpful. Like the, the the New King James, and here I'm reading from the ESV, translate verse 27 this way: Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Rather than unworthily, you know, thinking, you know, I myself am unworthy. Everybody's unworthy. Everybody. When there was a lady, matter of fact, when I was at Germantown, there was a um, a lady there that never, never participated in the Lord's Supper, and she told me why because she felt unworthy. And of course, I tried to <laughs> to uh, to um, persuade her. Just like I was talking to you a moment ago, it, it, it's not optional. We're commanded to do this, um, and and the idea uh, I think here is not whether or not we are worthy. And what Paul is saying is, um, he's talking about whether we conduct ourselves in a in a um, 
in a worthy manner, in an unworthy manner. In other words, it's how we treat one another when we come together. Not just when we come together, but that's, that is what he's dealing with here, when they come together. So you have, you have um, a lot of hypocrisy going on here. I mean, Christians coming together for, quote, love feast, but they're not loving one another. They're hurting one another. They're abusing one another. Or let's just say it a little more. They're not, they're not caring for one another, which is what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to care for each other and to love one another. In fact, let's, let, me, let me back up just a little bit here, and I'll read you a little bit of it. Look back at verse 17. But in the following, and remember, this is right before his instruction on the Lord's Supper, and this is why he goes into it. But in verse 17, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, as a congregation, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not for the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. That's what I think he's talking about when you get to verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body of and blood of the Lord. So, uh, so he says, let, us, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, without discerning the body, what is the body? The church. The church. Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So, he's talking about mis- misbehavior or lack of love. I'm going to keep coming back to that because sometimes that just sounds weak, lack of love, but it's really not a weak thing. That's, that's a very strong offense. Jesus says that we're to love one another. And that's how the world will know that we're His disciples. So they, they weren't doing that. They weren't loving each other. And so that's what Paul is, is setting straight there, I think. Um, so he said, And that's why he says, examine yourselves and make sure that you're not <clears throat> partaking of the, of, the, uh, of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, which, again, he described in verses 17, 18. Um, 19, so forth. All right, so just kind of wrapping it up here. Um, let, me, let me throw out a few questions. Um, first of all, is the Lord's Supper important? Very important. One thing is we're commanded to do it, right? Jesus instructed us to do it. And then we have those, those reasons. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a sign of continuing fellowship. It's a, it's a remembrance of His death. 
So, um, yes, very, very important. Not an option. It's kind of like, kind of like baptism, Bat- like we talked about with baptism. Does baptism save you? No, baptism doesn't save you, but that, that you know, it's, it doesn't, dipping in the water doesn't wash away sin. But that doesn't mean that we should think of it as optional. The Lord commands it. So, so we must be baptized. Believers should be baptized. And same way with the Lord's Supper. Um, when should a person begin to participate in the Lord's Supper? After they've made a profession, a credible profession of faith, and then presumably again followed in obedience by being baptized. So, yeah, they, there needs to be a credible profession of faith. And this, this is why um, we don't, in the, in the Baptistic tradition, we, do, we don't baptize infants because they're not, they're not capable of making a profession of faith, much, much less a credible one. So, yeah, there, there should be a, a credible profession of faith. So, should... <clears throat> Should there be a minimum age for participation in the Lord's Supper? I'm just throwing these out for thought. It's not, you know, as we're considering this. Cause so, so should children participate? Well, again, I would say um, there, there, there needs to be um, a credible profession of faith. So should there be an age limit, well, a minimum age? Well, I want to say no to that, but at the same time, very, very, being very, very cautious. It's the same way with baptism. If a, if a, if a very small child wanted to be baptized, um, and, and we did this with our children, you know, my, my, my advice would be wait, wait, and let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what they really, under, you know, give them some time to figure out what they really understand. But, you know, most children, by the time they get to be, I don't know, eight or nine years old or something like that, they're, they, they're, they've, they're, they've got the mental capacity to, uh, to grasp, uh, you know, the gospel. And so, so you can't, you know, I don't think you can really set, a, set an age, but you, you, we do need to be careful with the, the, the really young ones. We need to be careful with everybody, but, but uh, the really young ones, you know, it's like, a, well, Chad Brand, the guy that's coming, I was listening to one of his sermons, and he was talking about one church he pastored, they were meeting at the YMCA. They didn't have a building yet, and they were meeting at the YMCA. So he said, of course, every time we had a baptism, they, they used the pool at the, at the Y. And so he said, uh, of course, every time we had a baptism, all the kids wanted to be baptized. <laughs> they said, no, 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 we can't, we're not doing that, you know. <laughs> but they, they just want to get in there and get in the pool, get dunked, you know. So there needs to be a credible profession of faith. All right. Any comments before we dismiss? Yeah. Yeah, I think. The, yeah. No, I don't think it directly relates, but yeah, I do think that's where they're. That's part of where they're drawing that from. And 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 two, you know, the old King James language is is um it just uses the term unworthily, so it makes it sound like um that it's talking about you need to be worthy um, rather than. You need to be conducting yourself in a worthy manner or, or fitting manner. Uh, you know, the, the problem that I see with it is, uh, um, well, two things. One is what I was pointing out in the context. Context, it just seems to me, is, is pretty clear that what Paul is dealing with is misbehavior, unloving actions. 
So I think that's what he has in view there. I mean, that's, that's, that's the immediate context. But the other problem is, is we're never worthy. We never are. But, but, the, but the warning is, is um, real, you know. So, so we just need to figure out, well, what, what is, how to apply it. What's he, what's he talking about there? Uh, because he says plainly, uh, this is the reason some of you are weak, some of you are ill, some of you have died. But, but I think, again, you take it in context um, that, that uh, you know, it's, it's clear he's, 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 he's talking about how they're mistreating each other. They're not loving each other. They should be coming together, um, caring for one another, loving one another, making sure that, in, that, in their case, you know, they had the food problem, they're making sure that everybody has something to eat and, and instead of um, some overindulging while others go without anything. And, and they're abusing the whole thing anyway. You know, they're supposed to be there for the Lord's Supper. And, and, so. and I didn't mean to suggest the word was bad. It's just that this, sometimes we... Like my understanding, you know, that might be what I would get from it. But yeah, good point. Good point. Worthily, unworthily. In other words, not caring for one another would be acting unworthily. Worthily. <laughs> if I can get that out right. Unworthily. Yeah, and we're all guilty of that from time to time, huh? So it's definitely something to be to be aware of. This is a serious serious matter. And like Pam was saying, the whole thing with the Lord's Supper is a sobering uh, matter anyway. So. All right, very good. I mean, we just, I know that's thats a very surface, we just barely scratched the surface on it, but but uh, hopefully gives us some things to think about. Because there, there is a lot to that. All right, let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, again, we thank you for your word and thank you for um, your promises. Thank you for these visible signs that you've given to the church to remind us of your promises, to remind us of your, of your grace towards us and your, um, your work in redemption, saving us from wrath, not because of anything uh, within us, not because we deserve, not because we are worthy, but because of your love and your grace. Lord, help us. Uh, Every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, every time someone we witness someone being baptized, Lord, help us to be mindful of these things and what they represent. And again, the great and gracious work that you've done on our behalf. May you be glorified through it in Jesus' name. Amen.